The big question is this, how do investors like us who don't have a PhD in finance or millions of dollars to start investing effectively grow our wealth with equities, bonds, cryptocurrencies, and more in a way that allows not only for short-term gains, but also significant long-term growth while staying true to our core? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Awesome. So to kind of follow up. AMD, we now have uh, one of my favorite movie stocks, AMC. There's only like two to pick from. I'll cover the other one in the next module. But AMC has been really, really interesting. And it's taught me this really important principle about staying up with your swing trades. Even if it only means an hour a month, or maybe even an hour every six months. Like, is, you just need to put like a small, 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 small amount of time into your investments to make sure that they do well. And that's a principle and a concept that I learned really well with AMC. So basically how this trade went down is we got in at 16, it was like right here. And I remember um, this wasn't a stock that I actually planned. So kind of like, you know, since you guys are a little deeper into the course, I'm gonna let you in on this underground secret. Basically like when I start a new portfolio, what I do is I write down a list of like all the stocks that could be in this portfolio based on like risk tolerance, based on the sector, based on mostly like who it's actually for. Like if it's for me, like I know the stuff I would invest in, but if it was somebody else, like I need to know what they would invest in, what they'd be comfortable investing in. So I have like a big list that I kind of put everything on and then I like cross out 95% of the list and I invest in the 5% that are left after I do a bunch of research for like an hour or two or something like that, uh, depending on how many stocks there are. And you know, you go through a list of 200 stocks and you have a portfolio that you can use for the next four or five years and it, 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 it works like, I mean, you spend like one weekend doing it and it's, you know, it, it outperforms like every major index on the planet. And it works really well. Like, it's, it's just cool. So that's kind of my plan. That's my strategy. That's what I do. And I remember um, at the time, I think I was like 16 or maybe I was 15 when I did this portfolio. And I remember I had this list and I walked up and basically what I would do at the time, because I didn't know you could have an account as a minor with UGMA account or UTMA account. I just, I just didn't understand those. I didn't have nine to do. Like I wish I did. I would have. It would have maybe six or seven figures. Basically, though, you. I made. I had this big list of stocks, and uh, you know I got like twenty for the portfolio. Like this is the list. It's like the final list, and it's got like twenty stocks in it, and, and that's you know give or take twenty, it's like 15, 17 or something. And like this was my portfolio, and I'm like buy these stocks. You're gonna crush it. It's gonna be dope, and uh, it's gonna be cool. And so what I did is I came and basically like I, I went to the kitchen table and what I had to do is like my mom she had a she was a client at, at Fidelity and so like I didn't have an account and my dad lived like I don't know four or five hours away and so you, you can you can take out the plane there and it's, it's only like a, an hour and a half with the, the driving and stuff uh, but but anyway like I didn't really like I was on like two times a month. Uh, maybe four times a month. So I sit down at the kitchen table with my mom, and I'm like, hey, let's buy these stocks in your Fidelity account so that I can pay 40% tax rate when I sell them. <laughs> Which, I mean, you gotta make a trade off, right? Super high adult taxes, or don't start investing. And really, when you're when you're young, like, the answer is to invest. It, it, it's worth every penny. You can pay literally four times as much in taxes, lose money on everything, and you will come out ahead in the long term with all of the knowledge uh, that, that you gain. Um, and what's cool is you not only gain knowledge, but you also gain money, which is, uh, which is cool. So I sit down at the table with my mom, and I give her, I'm like, here's a list of stocks. You know, whenever you can, can you go in and buy? Make sure that you buy the bid. I cannot tell you how many times I asked my mom you need to buy on the bid. Put in the bid and it will increase your returns instantaneously. 
And she's like, okay. And so anyway, the point is, it was kind of a process every time I wanted to buy stocks or sell stocks, and it, it became really, really tough as I started getting, um, you know, more and more into like senior year, and like right up until before I was 18. Like I, I honestly didn't trade a stock for like three months before I turned 18, just because my mom would like trade anything, which which kind of sucked. And it's a concept I dive a lot deeper into into the, the in the How to Win Friends and Influence People seminar series. Uh, and what's cool is I know I know part of that should be public, so you can have, and then obviously you get the whole thing as a as a client. Um, so anyway, I dive really deep into that. But there's one concept I talked about in that seminar series, and that one concept is, is is really really powerful. It's this idea of getting an outside perspective. An outside perspective is so 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 key. And again, you know, I bring it down so so much more. Uh, but at a very core level, and how it applies here is actually pretty basic, okay? I want you to think about it like this. I have this list of stocks, and nowhere on this list of stocks is AMC, or uh, the next company you're about to see, uh, which we'll get to in a moment, is, is Regal, okay? I neither of these on my list, but somehow these two stocks ended up in my portfolio, and they ended up teaching me a lot, and they also ended up making me a lot of money. How did this happen? I sat down at this table, and my mom's like a couple feet next to me, and I'm, you know, I'm like, you're all the stocks we need to buy tomorrow when the market opens, please and thank you. And she says, okay, sounds cool. She's kind of looking through some of the stocks, and you know, Yahoo Finance. If you look sort of on the right tab, um, you can expand that right tab, and it'll uh, kind of suggest a bunch of stocks for you. And if you're a little bit newer and you don't actually have any watch lists or any portfolios. Instead of like having your watch list here, your portfolio is there, it'll actually have like just randomly suggested stocks, like what are the popular stocks or stuff like that. And you can log into an incognito window if you want to just log out of your account. You can just log out of your account and you'll get a bunch of random stocks here. And one of those random stocks was AMC. And my mom was looking at it on her computer while I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs thinking about how much money I'm gonna make with this cool portfolio of mine. And she's like, what about movie stocks? And I'm like, what do you mean movie stocks? She's like, look at AMC and Regal. And I'm like, okay, dude. I pull up AMC, pull up Regal. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was a ticker. They're not public anymore. We'll get to that in the next one. But I, I pull these stocks and I'm like, hey, you know what? This stock, this stock went down a lot. And at the time, I had this uh, kind of sideways mentality that down equals cheap when and cheap equals good. When usually like, you know, you don't just want cheap things. Like you want things that have value and that are a bargain. And sometimes that's cheap things, but sometimes it's not. So if you see a stock that goes from, you know, 30 bucks to like 15 bucks, like you should probably do a little bit more due diligence than I did on this investment. I probably spent a sum total of like 20 minutes talking to my mom about this stock and she, you know, she's great, I love her, but um, she's not like as deep into you know, technical analysis or fundamentals or investing. So I don't think she's she's traded an individual stock in uh, ever. I don't I don't think maybe possibly, but I, I don't think she has. And she never really liked to talk about money, which was weird. But I don't know. Uh, what are you gonna do, right? Basically, this was kind of where I put this portfolio together, and I'm like, okay, dude, let's buy it. It'll be cool. Why not? So we get in. At, or I, I bought the stock at 16 bucks, and for the first like month it went up, then it went down a little bit, it went down to like 10, 12 bucks, 
Then it went up to like 18 bucks. So I kind of got billed pretty high, but it was also like a nice position because you had sort of these MACD lines crossing. You had these really nice bottoms on the Bollinger per 7D, and you had this crossover on the stochastics. I mean, everything about it, it just looks really good. It was just solid setup based off of technicals, and you can't really ask for much more than this on a half, you know, uh, intention swing trade where you aren't exactly sure what's going on. Like for me, like I didn't know the movie business at the back of my hand, but I could tell that like this was a really low MACD, and, and this, I mean, this, this was both very, very low. And I'm sure if I had the RSI, it will tell you the exact same story um, as the Bollinger percent B. The Bollinger percent B is, is, is usually similar to RSI, but I'll uh, add it for you guys so you can, you can see this as a reference. You kind of see the same thing here, right? You have the RSI, and it is super, 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 super low, just like everything else. And so for me, like that's a really good buy. It's, it's freaking sweet stock, and so I buy it. And over the course of like, uh, I don't know, this is a weekly chart, so maybe five months or so, what happened was, was kind of interesting. Basically, the stock went up from you know 16 to like 19 bucks, which is like two dollars. So like, I guess what's that? Like 10, 15, 20 percent. Like it went up a pretty solid chunk over you know a solid period of time, but you know twenty percent a year. I mean that's it's pretty it's pretty uh, that's that's great. I mean that's it's really good. And then it, it kind of peaked out. It was peaking out on the percent fee and the weekly MACD lines crossed, and that was the big thing. You'll see the same kind of thing in the monthly, uh, but a little bit more strewn out. Basically, in the monthly, you see it, it, it kind of crossed later than it crossed again. And similarly, the stochastics peaked really, really high at 80, and the RSI peaked really, really high at almost 100, it looks like. And so in both of those time frames, and uh, heck, even the daily time frame, you can see that the stock, like, it's harder to see in the daily time frame just because it's kind of jumbled. But if you stretch it out to weekly, you can see that at this point right here, when it was at about $19, $20, like, it was pretty clear that, like, this was kind of like a really high point. And the thing is, like, you don't know with a lot of these stocks, you kind of see, you've got like these, these moving averages here, and it's always kind of difficult because you don't know if you're gonna break one moving average, and then break the next moving average, and then break the next moving average, and then explode, or if you're gonna bounce and then die. And you really just have to watch, and if you watch it right, then you should be solid. But you need to sort of actively engage with the investment and you need to kind of watch it on a month by month or a week by week basis. And my challenge and what I did sort of uh, not too, too geniusly here is I saw this stock going up, but I sort of ignored it because it wasn't like that big of a part of my portfolio. I mean, it's only like 20% uh, a gainer. And, and for most of my stuff, like it, it goes up a lot more than that. And so like, I didn't think that much of it, which was really not a good idea because Again, you've got two costs of having an investment. The first cost is like what else you could be investing in, and then the second one is the actual return of the investment, right? And so you want to maximize returns and minimize the time in your investment so that you can go and invest in really, really cool outperforming stocks that are going to crush it. And for me, like I just left the money here and didn't really pay attention to it. And when it started to fade off, like right here is basically when I should have sold because you had a red candle, then a green candle, and then a red candle. And this is a red, green, red setup. I mean, this is a textbook trade. You have a red candle and then it's like not even a question, right? And basically this red, green, red setup happened on the weekly chart and I totally missed it. And the reason I missed it is because I just wasn't paying attention. And the moment that you stop paying attention, 
that's when your portfolio can go straight down. That's when you can have some really pretty big losses because like the worst thing you can do is be ignorant. The best thing you can do is to just put in a little bit of time and watch your stuff. You know, even if I sold here, if I have it like break even, that would have been great for me because the position wasn't really going anywhere. But instead, I held it, and 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 I held it. Um, and eventually I sold it at like 11 bucks. But I mean, gosh, like it was pretty, it was pretty bad. You know, it was like not a good trade at all. So, I mean, I don't wanna like, I don't know, it just didn't work out that well. And the reason why it didn't work out that well is because I just didn't pay attention the stock, I kind of got tied up with um, AMD exploding and I totally ignored it. So, you know, a lot of times when you're starting out, you might be tempted to make a list of stocks that is massive, like absolutely huge. Like, I'm gonna invest in 500 stocks and I'm gonna be as diversified as the S&P 500. And like, if you can do that, you're a god, you're amazing, like, like all of you. But for most people, like you wanna be able to like at least spend like five minutes per week like just looking at like one like looking at the stock and just checking up on it real quick. Um, hell, it could take you literally like one minute per stock if you really, really try. And you could maybe have 20 stocks and it might take you like 20 minutes a week. Alright? Look, if you guys have 20 minutes a week, you can outperform 99% of investors by making sure you have a good base portfolio and then just checking up on it periodically. So basically, you put in a couple of hours of work at the beginning and, and you know, uh, probably a good chunk of time like learning how to do it, right? So you're learning and then you're applying and uh, learning might take a while because there's a lot to learn, but you learn it one way or another. Hopefully I can help you decrease this time so you do it much quicker with 9 to noon and with all the other training. And then you apply it and then, and then like that's basically like if you're looking at an axis here, this is the amount of time you're working, time worked, right? I'm gonna put this in quotes because trading stocks is fun, it doesn't count as work. And then this is just like time. And uh, basically, you put in a bunch of work at the beginning, then you just check on it for like five minutes, and then you're done. Alternatively, you can do what I prefer to do, which is to just kind of like give each stock like five seconds every single day and have like a little line that you. So instead of having spikes, which I don't really like pumps, I don't like spikes, I like to have free weekends and stuff so I can do cool stuff like this. Instead of that, I'll just spend like five minutes a day checking all those stocks and all those positions. And so I don't make the same mistake I made with this, where I just let it go away from me and I ignore it when it hits a peak and I ignore it when it starts to crash and I don't sell it when it starts to crash or I don't sell it when it starts to explode and I miss out on gains. It's a lot easier to miss a loss than it is to miss a gain. Like if a stock goes up 500%, or a stock goes up even like 40%, like I'm going to know about it because people are naturally inclined to sort of recognize their winners and ignore their losers, which is why a lot of people hold stocks for way, 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 way too long. And they hold investments for way, 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 way too long, um, which is why it's so important to have a stop loss. I was silly, I didn't have a stop loss on this trade because it was a long time ago, which was dumb, I should have had a stop loss. I probably should have gotten stopped out right here, to be honest, and I would be totally cool with that. Because that's the exact same price level I would be selling at right over here. So I would rather stop out in two weeks than stop out in two months and have the same end result. Um, but I didn't because I was silly. Now you know how to do that so that you can get sort of the same result. But anyway, you spend a little time, a little bit of time checking it and just make sure that everything looks solid. And I mean, if it does, you should, should get some pretty awesome results from it. And it will really, really, really help for swing trading in your long term. Not necessarily long term investing, more so your swing trading portfolio. You know, if I thought that movies were going to be the best thing ever, and the movie theaters were going to take over the world, and that Netflix is going to crash, and that 
you know, everyone's only gonna go pay $40 for two people to go to the movies for the next 20 years, then like I would invest, you know, sure, dude, all in on AMC. But that's not exactly how the market perceives it, and it doesn't look like it's it's really what's, what's going on either. So we'll see how it works out in the long run, uh, but at least for now, definitely one of those positions where you know you've got to really like actually know what's going on, and as long as you know what's going on, uh, then you you should be you should be solid. Uh, but that's really the key difference is actually understanding what your position is doing, not just when you get in it, but also sort of afterwards that you're following up with it. Because again, like we talked about just a second ago, people are kind of more interested in looking at their winners and their losers. So like for me, if a stock goes up a little bit, like I'm gonna know about that way earlier than I'm gonna recognize a stock going down unless it goes down like 33% a day, like the like KMT. But most of the time, like if a stock just slowly goes down, you're pretty much gonna ignore it, just by natural human tendency to ignore what we do wrong. And because of that, it can kind of drain your portfolio of cash, which is not a, a great thing at all. Um, and to kind of put this into sort of a, an image for you, there was this cryptocurrency exchange called Mt. Gox. It was like one of the first really big cryptocurrency exchanges on the planet. And they had like hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of bitcoins, hundreds of millions. There's a lot of money on, on the plate. And what they did is they had um, this hot wallet where basically everybody would send all their bitcoins to. And they would come in here and basically they had this level. And they would always keep the wallet filled up kind of to this level. And so what they did is, is as soon as it got like above this level, they would take all the excess and they would move it over to like their cold storage, right? So they would have these wallets that are like super secure and these would be like hidden away in a vault and they would be the best safety measures possible. And then these were like the hot wallets where all the transactions would occur. And they spent a lot of time at the beginning planning out the system. They spent a lot of time at the beginning actually making sure that it worked and making sure everything was secure and everything was connected. Uh, because to them, like this is a you know $100 million system. They have to have this system work. And there needs to be money here. Because if there's not money here, they are going bankrupt and they will probably be sued. And so they have this system that they use where they have the hot wallet, and then if it gets to this level, then um, you know they, they transfer the money over to the cold wallet. Uh, without going too much into crypto, basically, this is the slightly riskier one that people might possibly be able to have, and then this is the super safe one. Usually with cryptocurrency exchanges, about 97 to 99% of the assets are held in the super, super safe one, and then this one is constantly regulated and shifted around and changed and, and monitored, right? Monitored, it's monitored, it's looked at. People understand what's going on with it. And for about a year and a half, what happened is somebody hacked into the thing and basically they drilled like a little hole in this wallet. And very, very, very slowly, they just took a little bit of money out. One week after another, after another, after another, week after week after week after week, after week after week after week after week, after week, after week for a year, a year and a half, give or take. And if I can, if I can write this, it would be insane. So right a year and a half, somebody just was taking a little bit out of the bottom of this hot wallet. And they couldn't tell because they were only looking at this top part, right? And so it just kept going on and 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 on. And whoever hacked this or whatever who hacked this sold you know upwards of uh, 700 million dollars, I believe, in cryptocurrencies from, from this exchange. And it was an international lawsuit, a massive, massive, massive pandemic. The guy who ran the exchange, he went to jail for like years 
and was like trapped in like the actual judgment system and he wasn't able to actually like speak with his family. He wasn't able to go home. He wasn't able to do anything. He wasn't even charged for a crime just by nature of the, the justice system in Japan. You know, this guy, he was one of those people who was trying to return everybody's money. He was trying to do the right thing because he got, you know, hacked and he was trying to make it right for everybody. And he would literally walk out of his um, exchange before he, he got sent to jail and he would have like 800,000 yen because it was in China. Um, he would have like cash, he would have bags. These bags would have hundreds of thousands of yen in them. And he would be trying to take this over to the bank so that he could send it over back to his clients and both of his clients were, were in America. And he did this every single day because the federal government put regulations on how much they could transact, how much they could uh, spend, how much they could invest, how much they could transfer on a day-to-day -day basis. And they were physically stopped from giving money back to investors, which is crazy, right? But anyway, this it's a really interesting and a really deep story. This guy is still kind of in person. I think he's like still in the legal system right now because they can't really figure out who hacked this guy. And the CEO is basically the only one who can figure out who it was because he's like a super cool genius guy. Anyway, the point of that is this happened for a year and a, and a half. A year and a half this happened. Now, to recognize that somebody has hacked you and is stealing your money, all you have to do is spend five minutes looking at all of the inputs you have, and then spend five minutes looking at all of the outputs that you authorized, and then see if those two numbers are the same. And if they're not, it should be the balance left over. And if it's not, you need to figure out what's going on because you have a problem. That would take five minutes with a computer. If at any point for a year and a half, somebody spent five minutes checking this one hot wallet, which was the only one they used. Uh, they had like three, and this was like, they were all connected, and they all got hacked. If someone spent five minutes checking like one of the hot wallets, and looked at the inputs, and the authorized outputs, within like three minutes, they would have noticed that somebody's stealing hundreds of millions of dollars from the exchange. And yet no one did it. And these people went off, ran off with hundreds of, with thousands and thousands of victims. How come? It's very simple. They put a lot of this effort in up front in learning how to create a cryptocurrency exchange and applying that information to create a cryptocurrency exchange. But they didn't do any of this. They didn't do any of the maintenance. And let me ask you a question. Some of you might not know, if you have a, a new car, you buy a brand new car, uh, what, what do you think happens to it if you don't wash it? See, I, I didn't really answer, I didn't know the answer to this question for, for a very long time. And then I remember I was talking with uh, one of my, my old mentors, uh, Mr. Cox. He is like this insane computer specialist guy, super, super cool guy. And I think it was like six months into mentoring with him. Uh, I asked him like, what was the one thing that he, he thought <coughs> that nobody knew? We were doing some soldering on some computer hardware and doing a lot of like physical process shifts. And I was asking like, what was the one thing he thought no one knew about sort of the things they use in their day-to-day -day life, like computers, tablets, or, or cars, or whatever. He told me that when you leave your dirt, you leave rocks, you leave grime on your car, like not only does it look bad, but it actually physically corrodes away the paint on your car. And if you leave the dirt on the car for more than like a week, it starts like literally eating the paint out of the car and it will fade away the color over the span of a month or two. Uh, and it's very subtle and it happens slowly, 
But if you let it happen year after year after year, if you let it happen for a year and a half, your car can like literally like get bleached almost. It, it's really, really crazy. He works on a, a ton of motorcycles, a ton of bikes, a ton of old cars, and he's seen it happen many a times where there's, nobody washes the car and the dirt like sucks the color out of the paint. It's really a bizarre uh, kind of thing to do. I don't know the chemistry behind it. I really don't like chemistry, but he, he was like, yeah, no one knows that. And so like washing your car, not only does it, is it like, you know, it looks good, it literally is saving your car from destroying itself, or the dirt from destroying your car, because you need to put in a little bit of maintenance over and over and over again. It might take you 30 minutes to do a freaking car wash, but that 30 minutes, like that's a really important amount of maintenance that you need to do. Even if it's just a little small chunk compared to the work that you put in to actually get the car, or the work that you put in to actually make your portfolio, the work that you actually put in to establish security systems, that little tiny chisel of work will have a massive, 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 massive impact at the end of the day. And that's uh, that's kind of the big shift that comes from you know AMC stock here, is that you know not only are you making investments, which are awesome, you're absolutely crushing it, but you really do want to be consistently checking up, even if it just takes a couple of seconds to do. Like I'm not asking you to run a marathon a day, but a half hour of exercise, you know, metaphorically and physically can, can literally change your life, you know? I think that's probably the, the biggest takeaway here. So, with that said, thank you so, so, so much. And if you get a ton of value out of this module, go out there, apply it, absolutely crush it, and I will see you in the next training. Thanks, bye. Hey, this is John. I hope you enjoyed the podcast episode. Now listen, if you want to get more stock market secrets and really understand the fundamentals and advanced techniques of investing straight from a hedge fund manager, then go to 9tonoonsecrets.com and claim your free copy of my bestseller, 9 to Noon, so that you can go from zero to 100 in personal finance and master the investing markets.